uh, eggs and candy for that. Um, also, during that event today, this evening, if you, or this afternoon, if you haven't been through our new building, then that would be a good time to do that. Um, when you are there, let me or one of the elders know, and we'll take you through the building. It will just be right across the street. So it would be a good time to check out the progress there. Um, let's begin with prayer. Father God, I thank you for the word that you've given us. And Lord, I ask you to guide us as we study it. And Lord, that you would impress upon us its importance. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice you made and the eternal life that you offer us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, we have been going through the teachings of Jesus, starting with the Beatitudes, and I want to review those today just for a moment, because we are on the last one. Uh, it starts out in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 5 um, tells, us, tells us that uh, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. And he began to teach them. Like, it's a really cool moment where Jesus comes to a place, and he sits down, and he gathers his people that are learning to be just like him. And not only people that are learning to be like him, but people who are going to teach others how to be just like Jesus. He sets them down, and he begins to teach. And he begins the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon or a time of teaching that takes up several pages in our Bible. This isn't just a real quick message that he's giving. It's a fairly decent time span that he fits all into this one message that he teaches. Verse 2 of Matthew chapter 5, he starts with these very important um, truths, these very important sayings. And I had to put it all on one page. I know it's small, but there's a reason for that. And here's how he starts. He said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Poor. Those who need him. And then he says, God blesses those who mourn. Oh, it's hard to mourn. I don't really enjoy that process, but it turns out that if we mourn, those who mourn, we will be comforted. He teaches God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole entire earth. Uh, being humble can be hard, and if we achieve the, um, the, the trajectory of being humble in our lives, then um, we understand that we don't need a lot. We don't need to be well-known. We don't need that glory, but we will inherit the whole earth, Jesus teaches. He teaches that he, uh, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for what is right. Before, because if we hunger and thirst for the right things to be done, then we will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, the peacemaker, for they will be called the children of God. And then we wind up with this last one, the one we will be addressing today. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, in this text... These eight things 
that God has told us through Jesus. He describes a world that is upside down from what we know. This world that we live in, um, certain things are known, and this is different from those things. God blesses those who uh, mourn, who are humble, who want what is right and merciful in the real uh, worldly world. Those things don't really seem to get you very far. But notice that when Jesus teaches this, the two that are on top and on bottom um, bookend this whole line of things that God teaches with the kingdom of heaven. So all of these things that we should be, be like Jesus, that we should incorporate into our lives, are sandwiched with us gaining the kingdom of heaven. Now let me rewind um, specifically to the last one. God blesses those who are persecuted. Man, as I studied this this past week, I did, I did not like what I was going to have to preach. I don't want to preach on persecution. Nobody wants to hear about persecution. I don't like to preach about it. But you know what I like to preach about? And you know what I think people like to hear about? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And so I think it's really neat that Jesus sandwiches all of these things in between the kingdom of heaven. We have got to realize that if we want the kingdom of heaven, then persecution is part of getting there. So that's no mistake that uh, persecution is the last one here on the list, I believe. Um, let me simplify this list a little bit. Let me show you it in simplified form up here. Um, if we are to look at this, uh, here we have God blesses those who are uh, poor in spirit, uh, mourn, humble, thirst for justice, merciful, hearts are pure, work for peace and persecuted, all of these things on the one side are the things that um, we need to be like, that we need to do. This is our part of it, to be like Jesus. And all of them on the other side over here is what we get in return, is what we see Jesus teaching us. This is what we will be rewarded with. Now, Jesus teaches us that uh, all these things that we need to be like, here, or like him, and he ends with persecuted. Now, I, so poor in spirit, um, I, ca I, can, I can realize my need for him. Um, mourn, will I do that? And it's really good to know that when we mourn for things like the loss of life or mourn for things like our sin, we do what we don't want to do and it hurts us and it hurts other people. I mourn for that so I can get that humble you know, sometimes that's hard for us to be, but we can see where it can be good. Um, thirst for what's right, uh, to be merciful. Hearts are pure. Okay, I'm tracking, and I feel like that, uh, you know, these are things that I can struggle to do. Work for peace. Be a peacemaker. like the idea of that, but persecuted. <clears throat> Wait a second. Persecuted? 
Um, all these other things are things that um, I can do and are good. But persecuted is something that is done to me. Persecuted is something that's done to us, to the church. And I don't know about that. If we are to understand what Jesus is talking about by persecuted, we must focus on the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven that is on each side of it. There's actually some cool things about persecution. Really neat things about persecution. I, I know that doesn't seem... Um, like it goes along with persecution being cool, but the coolest thing about persecution is that it is sandwiched by the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven makes persecution seem like a pitiful little annoyance. Like we're going to get into what uh, persecution is, maybe what other people have experienced, and it seems like a big deal, and it's emotional, and it can really get in the way of our lives, and it can control things, but, but we need to understand that compared to the kingdom of heaven, persecution is nothing but a pitiful little annoyance in the whole plan of God and His church. It's like, it's like a mosquito that swims around you and finally finds a place to bite and bites or before you get it, to let it land on you, you smack it and smash it in between your two hands. This is the kingdom of heaven. What the kingdom of heaven does to persecution, it smashes it in between the power of God. And that's what happens to persecution at the end of the time. Now, Let's discuss this deeper. The church has been persecuted for years. And what happens when the church is persecuted? It spreads. It grows. Now, that's kind of neat. That's kind of weird, though. Uh, the church hasn't always grown. It hasn't always. In America, maybe we could say, the past uh, oh, 30, 40 years, maybe, the church hasn't really grown. And, and I don't know the specific statistics, but overall, we get the idea that uh, the amount of people who claim to be Christians has shrunk. And interestingly enough, in America, I don't see persecution at a super high scale. I don't see widespread persecution in America. Now, there definitely is persecution. But in America, a lot of times we don't know what persecution even means. The cool thing about persecution is that when we are persecuted, the church grows and the kingdom of heaven becomes more real. Now, what do I mean by more real? It's not that persecution and, or the kingdom of heaven is not real at all. It's absolutely real. But the thing is, is that more, the more we are persecuted, 
the easier it is to see the kingdom of heaven. Now, somebody tell me what we're celebrating today. Easter. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Easter's next week, Flint. Um, but I knew you would be the first one to say something. So, Palm Sunday. So, uh, man, <clears throat> this is when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. He comes in on a, on a little donkey, not just a regular donkey, but a donkey's colt, and he's riding into town. He's doing it on that small donkey because it was prophesied that he would. So here he comes into Jerusalem. He has a specific idea of what he's going to do, and crowds of people are gathering around waiting for the new king to ride into town. They are excited. The crowd is just uh, full of energy because they believe that Jesus is going to be the king and that he is going to take over Rome. And I get it. I get why they're so excited because they've been, um, they've been oppressed by the Roman government. And so here comes Jesus and he's going to take them all over and defeat Rome. And, um, you know, it seems like he's doing it in kind of a different way. He's not being the warrior. And here he comes on a little donkey and so that was probably a little bit weird, but the people are still so excited, and they're throwing down their jackets and, and palm leaves and whatever they can so that when the king comes in, the new king comes in, he has this um, road just paved with the sacrifice of the people there. Here comes the new king. A lot of excitement. Hail to the king of Israel, they say. They are ready. For a new king. Now, what they don't understand is that Jesus isn't just the king of Israel that's coming. He's the king of heaven. And with him, he is bringing the kingdom of heaven. And so he rode in on that donkey and he rode in and it's just as if he is coming in peace. Jesus is bringing peace with him and he rides in on not a stallion, not a war horse, but a little donkey. Like, he tried to get them to understand this. I feel like, you know, on, on top of the, the prophecy that said that he would ride in on a little donkey, um, it, it's, it's like, it's hard to get some people to understand things. And Jesus taught them a long time before this about what he was going to do and um, still, uh, he couldn't get across to him, I'm not a war king the way you understand it. So he rides in a little donkey just to kind of, hey, look at this. I, this is not the normal way of doing things. Look at me. I've got a little donkey that I'm riding in on. But they still can't seem to wrap their mind around it. He comes in peace. And you know, that was true. Jesus came in peace. That, that was true for everyone except for the devil. For the devil, Jesus absolutely did not come in peace. The methods that he was using were going to destroy the devil and we see that process happening 
today. And that's part of Palm Sunday that gets exciting for me that as Jesus rides into town, he knows exactly what he's riding into. He knew that trouble was going to come his way. And you know what? Persecution did not stop him from doing God's will. He didn't let that get in his way. During the week after the original Palm Sunday, Jesus kept teaching about the kingdom of heaven. It's a great time for teaching. If you remember the people, they're all excited. People are looking forward to having the king of Israel come into town. When you get people excited, get people worked up about something, then they're more likely to listen. So Jesus has their attention, and he takes advantage of it, and they starts to teach them. So excited, they're just throwing their coats down for him to walk on. But things get hard real fast. First few days, he's teaching good stuff, and then the last few days, well, hard things like... He has to sit his disciples down and have a last meal with him, the last supper. And Jesus tells Peter, his main man, he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter doesn't like that idea. No one would. Hard things like Jesus gathers his disciples in a garden and his plan is for them to pray for him. And the disciples, they fall asleep on him hard things like Judas betraying him. And then, and then he gets arrested. Jesus is arrested. Peter denies him. Again, his main man. And Judas ends up taking his own life. Jesus goes to trial. And the people, they want Barabbas. Released instead of Jesus. Of all the things, of all the insulting things. And the soldiers, they mock Jesus. And they whip him. And they beat him. Finally, they nail him to a cross. And Jesus came in peace. He loved people. He healed people. He brought people back to life. Back to life. Back to life. You know, you know that's where persecution ultimately ends up. Back to life. Hang on to that thought. We have to define what persecution is. Uh, rewind back to when Jesus was teaching the Beatitudes. Um, there are eight of them, and uh, these eight Beatitudes are formatted in your scripture on the page of your Bible a little bit differently um, than the others. They're kind of offset. And then he, um, after teaching these things, the poor in spirit and mourn and, and all those, after teaching those eight things that are in very formal um, formal. Uh, um, formal manner, he's talking to um, blessed are those for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He leans in to personally speak some truth to them. It's like 
teaching those truths. And now in verse 11, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, he steps in, leans in, and tells them this. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Now notice, notice that he switches from using the words that those, blessed are those, for they, those and they, he switches to you. You. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. This is what persecution is. It clearly defines persecution for us. It's evil that is done to you or to me because we follow Jesus. First Peter chapter 4, verse 14 um, puts it in, a, in the same way, but it, from a different perspective. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must be not for murder, stealing, making trouble, or uh, prying into other people's affairs, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. So there's a lot of things that can happen to us. And if it just happens because we are creating havoc, it's not persecution. This means high gas prices, not persecution. Everybody has to pay the high gas prices, and most people. It means getting beat up by the class bully. That's not persecution, even if you did nothing to deserve it. Unless, of course, you were telling them about Jesus. And then that's persecution. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. All the nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. I love that last part. Everyone who endures to the end, enduring, will be saved. Be saved from what? Be saved from eternal death. Saved from eternal death and saved for eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus endured persecution for. Next week we'll be celebrating the resurrection when Jesus came back to life. On the other side of persecution, you know often persecution ends and winds up in death and ultimately ends up in life. Back to life. New life. That's the model that Jesus gives us. You know what Jesus did when he came back to life? He made it so that we could come back to life. He made it so that when we are persecuted, we can confidently look forward to the kingdom of God. Remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the original Palm Sunday? He came to save the sinner. He came to save mankind, anyone 
who would accept him. He came as a peacemaker between people and God. But harmless he was not. He had one enemy, and it was not flesh and blood. It was the evil one himself, the liar, the deceiver. And Jesus used the devil's trap of persecution against him. You know, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it tells us to be passive. Jesus teaches that we should turn the other cheek and hand over our cloak, and this isn't at all telling us to roll over and take our beating. What I believe that Jesus is teaching us here, what is, he is telling us is that the persecution may very well be the most powerful weapon that we have against evil. Jesus tells Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you uh, know what a gate does, it's not an offensive weapon. You don't beat somebody with a gate. Gate is a defensive weapon. That means that God has given us what we need to be on the offense. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. One of the indicators that we are on the offense is that we are being persecuted. So if we are doing our job, then we are going to provoke opposition, if we are truly sharing the good news, if we are loving people, if we are being like Jesus, then we're going to be viewed as hostile. Hostile. Now, I know that doesn't make sense. But it's in our spiritual heritage. We do have a spiritual heritage. The scripture tells about it. It doesn't make sense because of the martyrs you know, uh, like Stephen. Stephen is known as the first martyr. We read about him in Scripture. Man, he wasn't killing people. He wasn't hurting people. He wasn't even threatening people. But they thought that he was so bad, that he was so dangerous, that they stoned him to death. That's what they did to Stephen. He's part of our spiritual heritage. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. The next verse in our scripture of the Beatitudes. Be happy about it. Be very glad about this persecution. For great, a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. After this last Beatitude that Jesus gives, persecuted for doing what is right, he said, hey, somebody might get hung up on that one. And he adds a few verses after that. You have got to be happy and glad about it because there's going to be a reward in heaven. And you have this spiritual heritage. The ancient prophets they were persecuted just like you. Look, my brothers and sisters, we come from a long line of God-fearing, Jesus-following, persecuted folk. That should give us great encouragement. 
right before Stephen was stoned, here's what he said. Acts chapter 7, verse 52. He said, name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. Name one. No, it's in our heritage. Everyone who preaches the word of God, who stands up for doing what is good, what is right, what Jesus teaches, is probably going to be persecuted. It's all different, all different levels of persecution, but if we're getting some sort of persecution, then well, we're doing something right. Mm. James chapter 5, verse 10. For examples of patience, James says, patience and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. And Hebrews chapter 11, we couldn't discuss persecution without going through this chapter of, of Hebrews. Um, the author of Hebrews says, man, look at all these folks. He's talking about Enoch, about Abraham, about Sarah and Rahab, and about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and all of these people um, who were uh, doing the work of the Lord. The author says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the other prophets. He says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put, on, put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Now, that doesn't sound harmless if you're the evil one. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison, some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, others were killed with a sword, some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Mm. Too good for this world. Those who have put their faith in God have been and have been persecuted for it are too good for this world. That doesn't sound like it goes along with blessed are the humble. But this is God's word describing His people, folks. Isaiah 43, 7 says that we bring all who claim, He says, bring all who claim to all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. God has made us for his glory. Too good for this world. There's some bad things. 
that have happened recently. School shootings. The devil got in somebody's heart. They allowed, allowed him to use them. And some servants of the Lord, some teachers, some students who were doing the work that God had them do were persecuted. That was a long way from here. But it still hurts. You know what? I, I look at this verse and I gotta I gotta understand that that this world they were too good for it. That they were too good for this world. Remember what Jesus told Peter? The gates of hell will not prevail. Well, John chapter 1 verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Our mission is to wage full send war against the darkness. And we start this on our knees every day by praying to the Lord, Lord, give me what I need to do your work. Tell me what you need me to do today. And then we start spreading the light of Jesus in whatever way we can in our day. Our job is to protect life both physically and most importantly, protecting eternal life. Hey, we're all going to lose our lives in this world at some point. We can't really do anything about that. But we can secure our place in heaven. And we can encourage others to do the same. That's how we carry out war against evil. Now the darkness, as it is being assaulted by us, is going to fight back. But if you have Jesus on your side, you win. You win. First Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Let me just give you two verses here that encourage you in the process of being persecuted. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 says, If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, though, he will deny us. i got to ask. What are you fighting for? Are you living the Christian life so that you can stay out of hell? Is that your motivation? Man, I don't want to go to hell. I've heard how bad it is. It's not good. It's eternal fire. It's, it's burning eternally. And I don't like that, so I'm going to um, live this Christian life so that I stay out of hell. If that's your motivation, then, well, it's a good one. It's, it's, it's a good motivator. Let's add to that. Are you living the Christian life so that you can get to heaven? This is the addition of staying out of hell. On the other side of hell, you have heaven, and that's, that's the thing. You know, it's perfect in heaven. We all want to go there because we live in a place that's not perfect. Oh, it can be kind of good some days, but nothing compared to heaven. Is that your motivation, getting to heaven? Or is it the rewards in heaven? You know, Jesus says if we are persecuted with him, if we are putting our faith in him, then we will reign with him in heaven.
heaven. Now, rain, I don't know exactly how to explain that. Reigning in heaven. But I know that reigning means, means royalty. If you were reigning, then, man, you've got it made. You must be some sort of king. Everything is good. We'll have it made in heaven. Is that your motivation? That you're going to reign in heaven? If so, good, good, good. But let me add one more thing to this list. What are you fighting for? Let it be getting others to heaven. Getting others to the kingdom of God by your example of how you live. By the words of love that you share with them. By the good news that you're sharing. By sharing with them the kingdom of heaven. How bad do you, do you want it? How bad do you want the kingdom of heaven? Kind of, sort of, doesn't work. It's not going to work like that. You need to be all in especially when persecution comes. If you're not all in when persecution comes, you're going to struggle. Probably going to doubt. You're going to get weak. We need to be all in. Stephen was. He was selected by the apostles to help lead the first church the scripture describes Stephen as a man full of God's grace and power. Listen, not long after Stephen was commissioned to uh, lead the new church, while he was doing his work, though, shortly after, um, he was waging war against the devil, and then he was arrested. They arrested him, and they lied about him. They said Stephen was talking bad about Moses. The high priest said, that asked him, said, are these accusations true? Stephen, are you talking bad about Moses? Right then, Stephen's face became as bright as an angel's. And I don't know why that happened except for that Stephen was doing the good work. And I think it's because he wanted ever, the Lord wanted everybody's attention on Stephen. So his face glowed as bright as an angel and everyone was looking at Stephen. Stephen took this opportunity. He had everybody's attention. He started preaching the word of God like never before. He preached love. He preached repentance. He preached forgiveness. Man, he wasn't hurting anyone. He was preaching these things that were good, and the Jewish leaders were infuriated. This made them mad. Stephen looked right up into heaven after preaching this, this long message that they gave him a chance to preach. And he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. And he says, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And you know what the, the Jewish leaders did right then? They put their hands over their ears. La, 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 la. We can't hear you, Stephen. That's what the scripture says. They covered their ears. They didn't want to hear the preaching of the good news. Like I said, Stephen wasn't killing nobody. He wasn't hurting folk. He was preaching love and repentance and forgiveness. Oh, the evil one had himself some hearts that day. You know what they did then? 
they picked up some stones and they, they stoned Stephen. And as they did, Stephen is praying right there at the height of persecution. Stephen is praying for the people that are persecuting him. Lord, forgive them for what they are doing. One thing is for sure. And this one thing is this for sure is that Stephen did not lose that battle. Not for one second did Stephen lose that battle. He didn't lose that battle because the church was spread after that. It grew. He didn't lose that battle because he was staying true to Jesus. Are you all in? Jesus was. And he still is. Jesus is still all in. Folks, don't you know what, uh, what he meant when he rode into town on that first Palm Sunday on that little donkey? He came in peace for you and I. But he was a threat to the devil. All in means persecution is very real. But the kingdom of God is on the other side of persecution. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, I know what it means to be all in. Jesus was. Stephen was. And when Jesus comes riding into your heart, I pray that you will lay your garments down, that you will lay the palm leaves down, whatever you have, that you will recognize that Jesus is the true King of heaven. Now that we understand what all in means, let's pray for our community. Father God, there are so many folks around that don't know you, God. So many people that are hurting. Lord, if persecution is what it takes for your word to get out to those people, then okay, God, you've made it clear that you will bless us and that you will replace anything that we lose because of persecution, even life, God, life eternal. Lord, persecution is a hard one to swallow, but we don't like it. We don't want it. But Lord, we understand on the other side of it is your kingdom. Here we are, God. Use us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.